everybody and waking up here in the morning and it is uh well might be a crappy morning for me just because uh well my uh my eyes aren't doing really well right now so i don't know what the hell's going on bloodshot and blurry so well we're gonna push through this because it's what we do um but this is my blurred opinion and this is episode 184 We are back again. Um, so another pod matcher, of course. Um, again, I recommend it to anybody who goes out there and is trying to be a guest on someone's show or host because uh, you know it is a really great tool to to find many people. I don't, I haven't counted how many people I've found off of there, but it's it's at least fifty. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a really good website, and uh, and the owner, you know, he uh, he'll talk to you like he he really you know cares about what he's doing with his product, uh, with his website. But, um, yeah, this guy reached out and we wanted to get in touch with each other and share each other's story. Well, share his story. Um, you want to kind of tell us your name, buddy, and tell us a little about yourself. My name is Jason Pike and I served 31 years in the army. Nine years were overseas. So I've retired from the army and I have a book out. It's an audio book as well. You can buy it through Amazon on audio or audible. So uh, it's in my voice. I am the narrator. I am the author. The book title is A Soldier Against All Odds. And that's pretty much my life story of the failures and fiascos and all kinds of crazy stories that are all true. And it's a biography, a, a autobiography. So, yeah. Sure. Um, what, what made you want to get in the Army? Was it something that your family did or was it just something that inspired you or – because like with my family, I didn't get into the army or anything, but I have multiple generations of people who served. It's pretty much known that there's not, not there's not much that I could do uh, intellectually. School was very difficult for me. Uh, just getting through, I mean, standardized tests or tests or just the regular, regular basic stuff and that we're supposed to learn in school was very very difficult for me. And I initially started in the National Guard. So I said, well, my, my high school counselor, I mean, I was identified as a learning disabled uh, person. Uh, in other words, uh, I don't know if it was dyslexia or autism or whatever, but I couldn't get my stuff together. And I figured I could just go part-time into the National Guard. Now, National Guard's a reserve force. It's less than best. So I started from the bottom. And uh, that, it's, that was, and I, I mean, a good question is, how in the hell did you pass the entrance test? I don't know that answer. I don't think I did. I think they just threw me in. It was a, it was kind of a good old boy system, and I just kind of slipped in there. And uh, that's kind of how I initially started at the age of 17 because I was still in high school. I had failed uh, the first grade, and uh, so I joined the reserve forces in high school. Wow. Okay. So you know, have you never really got a full diagnosis, like what is actually – your disability? I, the disability, um, I, I, the best thing I can do is they don't have a name for it. It's said I'm a very slow processor. I do have a generalized anxiety disorder, but that may hinder my ability to uh, grasp things normally. I know my I know my SAT scores are probably lower than all your viewers or listeners out there. I know that for a fact. I didn't, and I did, I did eventually go into college, but I think 
uh, some people have said it's a form of Asperger's syndrome. Uh, some people have said maybe I had some dyslexia. I do know the, the, the test, the standardized tests that measure your ability to uh, go to school or go to college are very, very low. All my standards. And I had to, I had to work on it. I went to, uh, I eventually, I didn't get over it. I just worked around it. I went to a junior college and I took easy classes and slower and slow. And I did, and I did graduate from college, but it took me about a five and a half years. I went into something easy, which was education to get the degree, but no, I, uh, I've always struggled with it. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, reading and writing are my worst subjects, but, uh, this book that came out is a sort of a national bestseller according to Amazon <laughs> metrics. So, I mean, but I, of course I have help with me. I, I have help writing and, you know, editing. And so I get a lot of help. Sure. But that's still an accomplishment. That's great. I mean, obviously yep. people care about yep. your story and you still had to be there to, you know, put it out there. So, I mean, for, I don't know, I guess that's, that's great. I mean, it's, I'm sure that's something you could have never fathomed at some point where nah, oh, I'll be putting out a book. A, I got a book out. I mean, that, that to me, I mean, I know it's, a lot of people say, Oh, someone else got a book out. But for me personally, this is like a bucket list. It's, it's been a dream <laughs> come true. And so I've got other things I'm out there. I'm thinking of doing some other things, not as crazy as this book, but some other books, I think since I've got the process down, I mean, I never wrote a book. Hell, I could barely even write a paper in college. It took me. And so, uh, um, up, so uh, yeah, I just, it, it is, it has been a big joy. It's been a big pain, <laughs> a big pain, big joy, but, uh, I got it done and I feel, uh, very happy about it. A lot of people make comments on there and yeah, so your viewers that don't want to, uh, want to listen to my voice from a Southern guy from South Carolina originally, you can hear me give you my heart and you'll know how truth, how I put the truth out there. It's a brutally honest, <laughs> a very brutally honest type of memoir, which I think a lot of people will get inspiration from it. They could get hope. Maybe they could get, they could gain more insight on how to take tests, how to, how to, you know, get in trouble. It's just that never quit type of thing, really. And it's, I'm not a Navy SEAL or anything. I did spend a lot of time in the military, but it's really going back to someone who just never quit on anything. And, uh, but all the, I think what's different with this book, really, for most, it's someone who's senior who says, you know, I got some issues. I got issues. And a lot of senior people in the organizations are, they have a lot of pride and they want to say everything's fine. But I, no, I, I don't say, I don't come out that right. I come, I come out where my, with my struggles and that I, I was not perfect and I, I did make mistakes. And, but I, but I learned from them and moved forward. And, uh, that's where I think the heart of the memoir might capture the, the viewers or the listeners. Yeah. yeah, no, that's what to me is most important. Like your inner strength, the fact that you just never gave up and, you know, you're very honest about it. Like, that's the thing. I think, you know, that that's what I think will uh, affect the most uh, or hit the most with people because, you know, you're, you're being transparent. You're just saying, hey, this is my story. Um, this is it, you know, not leaving anything out. And, um, you know, there's plenty of people that struggle with this. And may, maybe you, maybe some people will relate to you, not just, you know, people who went to the military, but people with learning disabilities, maybe both or just something. There could be something in that story there that you didn't even think that could hit somebody a certain way and, and will. And so, you know, I yeah, think, I think yeah, being, exactly. you know, authenticity is something I feel is missing a lot from, you know, social media and just entertainment anymore. It just seems like everybody's just kind of recreating what other people are doing and just yeah, doing, yeah, yeah. doing whatever's a trend and all that. But, you know, authenticity is something that, you know, you can't just buy. You can't just 
automatically just become authentic. Like you either have it or you don't, it seems. I mean, you could, you could eventually develop it, but you can't just develop it out of nowhere. And so, yeah, just keep being you. And, and like I said, that stuff comes right through and people will see it. Yeah, on social media, you see people's A-games, and that's, you know, everybody, I don't care who they are, superstars, they all got problems, they all got issues. You might just be seeing a particular part of this National Football League, but he might be, in the, in the in, you know, quarterback and looking great and has all this money, but the thing is, is we all have problems, we all have to get through our challenges in life, And um, but... No, I think a good memoir is going to be something that, like, like I said, yeah, I've been locked up a few times. I've had troubles with the law. I've had troubles with alcohol. I've had troubles getting kicked, almost getting kicked out of the military. But I just kept on going, and um, I just kept on with just keeping on and keeping on and never giving up with anything in life. And I thought, I think a lot of people who knew me in the military, they, they knew uh, that every once in a while I got in trouble, but they didn't know how I just survived it. Took you know, face the wind, face whatever repercussions there are. But just don't get that disappointed. We all get disappointed in life, but just pick yourself up and uh, maybe look at it at a different angle. And there's always a, there's ways to skin a cat. There's different ways to solve problems, <laughs> and there's uh, so you can look at it a little bit differently of how to go about your life. And uh, that's what I did. Kind of, I kind of had to because I wasn't the traditional uh, person that grew up in the military. I came from enlisted. I was, you know, I had problems just reading and writing, which are very critical in all aspects of life. And then um, just trying to understand things and, you know, getting on board. But no, that's that's where this book will, uh, I think, capture your uh, heart a little bit to capture, maybe give you some inspiration in your life. Yeah. Again, like you said, it's not someone's a game. Like it, it's you're getting I mean you're getting you know obviously the end right now you're doing in in current day you're doing great but before that there's a there's a real journey to get to here and there's a lot of mistakes on your part there's a lot of mistakes I'm sure just life in general just intervened and kicked you around a little bit and that's what happens but when you it's great to share that because it it keeps people on their toes and it keeps people understanding because I think especially like you know talking about you know, it, social media and, you know, entertainment and, and celebrities. And I think a lot of people watch these people, especially celebrities and, and these influencers, and they're just like, oh, my God, they're perfect. And they have everything. And there's <laughs> no way they screw up because a lot of them don't. A lot of them, like, especially like with their Twitters or social media, they don't even really use it. They get, they give it to their publicist or, or someone in their crew and they do all the typing for them because they don't want to say anything offensive or they don't want to do anything that's going to step on anyone's toes. So, you know, it, it, people look at them like, oh, my God, they're these gods and they're this. And it's like, no, man, they're really just like us. They just have a talent or they got they got really lucky um, or whatever you. But we, we forget that, like, they all have a lot of them have mental health. A lot of them have real issues. And, oh, yeah. And, and oh, it's, yeah. But because a lot of them don't talk about it you know, mm-hmm. they're just perceived as these, you know, amazing gods, but then something comes out years later and it's like, oh my God, they got a divorce. What? How dare they? Huh? <laughs> like, yeah, man, that they, they're people, they get divorced. They cheat on each other all the time. What do you want? They're just like people. Yep. Just people, just humans, humans. I mean, life has a vote. vote and, uh, exactly. So that's, I think a lot of, yeah, exactly. I mean, people are not, they're not perfect. They're so imperfect. And so, with my memoir, I wanted to come out and say how – and that was the hardest part was to be vulnerable. The hardest part was yeah. I said, you know what? And he says you – know, I was working with my writer, and I said, you know, if you want to capture people, you've got to 
give me your car crashes, your your girlfriend problems, your all all your arrests. You have to get it out there because that's what that's what's going to capture people. And that was hard. I was like, man, I got to tell about this, and I and I just did it, and I did it, <laughs> and it was hard, and it scared me. I was scared. I thought, man, I'm not good enough. I can't get a book out. I'm not good enough. I'm not like all these other people I see in these bookstores and things. And I said, well, fuck it. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. <laughs> and uh, yeah. that was really hard for me to do. <laughs> and, I, and I did it. And I, after I did it, I'm better talking to you or than actually going through the process. It was just, it's like, it was a painful process. It's like squeezing a juice out of a lemon for a long period of time. Yeah. And after a while it was there. Cause you have to relive it again. And it, it's, very, oh I'm sure it was very, as you're saying, it's therapeutic because like, you know, when I had to kind of start opening myself on here, it was like the first time I did it, I felt just, I don't want to say nauseated, but I definitely felt emotionally drained. And I'm just like, Oh <laughs> like, yeah. God, I'm, I'm talking about my abuse again and all this. And then, out of nowhere and then like the second time I started talking about it and then the third time whatever I just it's like oh eventually just became just my norm and I was like yeah okay yeah I was molested yes I, and again I'm not sugarcoating it mm -hmm. but it, it's so sure. easier it's much easier to say now because I know it helps people and I know it's just it's the way I need to be to impact those people and so yeah I get it it, 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 it sucks the first couple times especially the first time when you have to relive it because you know it's there but it's like when you have to share it with a bunch of people you're sharing it with the world essentially it it, it can be very rough to just because you have to like open those wounds again and you have to look at it and you have to really think on every detail to be accurate if that's something you care about obviously and you know yeah it hurts again <laughs> Yes, it does. And now that I've gotten that, I'm uh, working on another book. Uh, it's more so, more so for veterans. It'll come out next month. But it's basically going from a, being a veteran. It's a self-help guide for veterans. But for your viewers out there, I've got some other things coming out in the future. But this book right here, A Soldier Against All Odds, this is where you're going to find. I mean, you could go to Amazon and read the reviews, or you can listen to the sample that I have in my voice. I mean, there's not a lot of books out there where the person that wrote it is the person also who spoke it. <laughs> so uh, the way I'm talking right now is the way it's on the uh, it's on the video, just it's on the audio, just like that, and it, and it's written that. It's basically even if you're not a great reader, and I, my guidance was let's let's put this thing down for someone who's maybe got a seventh grade education. In other words, we can um, it's not that complicated. You can listen to the stories or hear the read the stories, and it's like someone talking to you like we're talking now. That's how it's written. It's like front porch talking or on the phone talking. So yeah, yeah. I'm happy about that as well. Yeah, yeah no, I got, just kind of to add to what you were saying earlier, like. I think it like you know the fact that you shared what you're sharing and you know like it, it might not affect you, but it's, it's just kind of like a big wound that, that needs to be drained. And it's like pus, <laughs> and and it's gonna hurt. It's gonna look like crap, but when it when it's all when it's finally drained and it heals, you're like, oh, okay, we're good again, and, and you're, you're just healing yourself. And um, yeah, I I nearly died because of this book and and my testimony on the front page on the front few pages. I went into the hospital because I had anxiety attacks. I had blood clots. I had pneumonia. Wow. And uh, it, this book really just, I just sat there and I froze like you were talking about. It was like all this stuff was coming out and I was shaking. I was nervous and I was sitting down and I just, my health just went downhill. <laughs> my health went downhill on this book. I, I was drinking Jack Daniels and stressing out and I just, and all of a sudden, oh my God, I, I went to the hospital and I went to the ICU. I had blood clots all through my legs and lungs. I, they said you were, uh, they, 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 
they thought I was going to die. I said, what you been doing? What have you been doing? You smoke? I said, no, I don't smoke. I drank. No, no, we're not talking about that. Something. I said, well, I've been sitting down stressing. He says, okay. And uh, I says, well, you're scheduled to die, and I'm going to do the obituary and the designated beneficiaries of my stocks and things and get the end-of-life procedures done before I pass away. But I don't know, the uh, the hepron blood pill uh, the, and the, the antibiotics and the hepron, it really did a number on me. My body started to come back, and then they got me out of the ICU. Surprised the hell out of the hospital staff, and uh, but I was able to live and, you know, go back to normal, which was it was because of this book, it, what we were talking about of how getting it out there. That's what scared that just put me in a big number. I think the blood clots were formed because I was sitting down and not getting up and walking around. I was kind of like frozen in flashbacks. And uh, yeah. my body just said, this is bad. <laughs> I said, After that, I said, I'm never going to sit down again. <laughs> but uh, that's kind of how that worked. Uh, I've, I've had not in a long time, but I've had some panic attacks where I'm rushed to the ER and, just really bad to the point where I, I was breathing so heavy and then like all my whole body just locked up like my fingers and toes just kind of locked into place I couldn't move them and it's some scary shit like it really is and, and you know anxiety I always talk about how depression anxiety PTSD all like the, the thing that I worry the most about is anxiety because it's the most unrealistic because you can be depressed about realistic things like you could have something in your life that you're really sad about and it's like you know what I'm sad. I don't want to be sad, but at least I know why I'm sad. But anxiety, you really don't even, half the time, you don't even know why you're scared and why you're shaking and, and why you're having these feelings and why your heart is beating out of your chest. A lot of times it's, it's so ridiculous and, and, and unrealistic that it's like, and I think that's the thing is it's so scary because then you spend half the time trying to figure out how to calm yourself down by trying to get to the source of what the issue is. And a lot of times... When you start to figure out what the issue is, a new issue pops up, and it just keeps it just keeps coming at you. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not fun. Um, what was some of your times like in the military? Oh wow! <laughs> so, um, I got one of the favorite funny stories. I guess a lot of people can relate to is uh, it's a story about me. Uh, I almost drowned in shit. I mean, literally, I, I literally fell into a ditch of shit. Um, it was so a lot of people have that term of uh, up neck deep or we have the term of, you know, I'm neck deep in it. Yeah. Well, I really was. And uh, what it was, the situation where I almost died in shit was I was I was doing an exercise. Land navigation is a skill that we use where we find points on a map, a military map, and we go out at night or in the day to demonstrate our ability to read a map and find points out there in the woods. And uh, I've done this many, many times. Many soldiers have. But I, it was at night. I was alone. I was walking along a, uh, like a rice paddy in a ditch, and they use night soil or shit, feces. They use that for fertilizers for the rice crops over there, at least at that time. They did. I, w I was a young man, probably in my late 20s. Um, I was an officer. I'd become an officer at that time. And um, so <laughs> I was walking along, and I knew it was there because I could smell it. I said, oh, gosh, there's something over here. I'm going to stay away from it. And I did. I stayed away from it. But it's at night, and shit, fresh shit, it's slippery. I slipped, hit my ass, and slid down an embankment and went neck deep in it. And so I was neck deep in shit at night alone and no one was around um, in a foreign country in South Korea. And what I did, I said, oh, God, I think I'm going to 
you know, I think I'm going to drown in this shit. And I, I've never had a family. I've never had a wife. And, you know, my, my last name is Pike. And they're going to be saying, oh, pooping Pike. Pike dies and poop and stuff. And I, I didn't want to hear that. Or I didn't want a legacy. He died in shit. Like, I drowned in shit. Huh? But, um, but I didn't want that. I was scared of that. Thinking of end of life stuff. I, you know, I... <laughs> So it was like a quicksand type of a material. And um, uh, so what I did was I started to caterpillar very, very slowly at an angle. And then I got myself on top of it. And then I slowly low crawled out of it, being careful not to go back into it, kind of like a quicksand. And once I got out, um, I was a mob of shit. And then I looked up at the stars and I said, God, why do you put me in this shit? And um, then I had another problem I was facing. And now I said, well, you know, I've, I've got to save my face. I don't want anybody to know, <laughs> you know, soldiers are soldiers and they're going to be ragging me about this and like pipe falls and shit, man. And be, it'll be, that'll be my legacy forever. I said, I want to, I got to hide from that. I got to, I got to save my face somehow. So being a mob of shit, I just rolled around on the rice paddies and got the bulk of it off. But a lot of it, the liquid part of it has sinked into my skin. I was also worried that I might be a medical case because the feces are just covered on all, you know, we've all got little abrasions and it's all over the skin. Yeah. It may have gone into my mouth. It may have gone into my ears or nose. But there was no river said, well, by nearby? There was, there was no river by. No. <laughs> there was no river by. But what I, did, what, I, what I did see is a light out there. We're not supposed to talk to the Koreans. Um, we're not supposed to go talk to them. We're supposed to do our exercises alone without any assistance and, but i said well those koreans they don't speak to americans so I, I went to this farmhouse i didn't even know what i was going to do i was walking toward a light in the woods i didn't even, i don't even know if i was walking toward heaven or hell at that point because i was all covered in shit and so i thought maybe i could find a hose to wash down on or someone would help me with the Korean. i knocked on the door and the, the woman ajima we call her ajima ajima of the house came and um she looked at me and I look, and she says, I goo, I goo. And, oh, no, I goo. I don't speak Korean. She don't speak English, but there's some things we pick up on. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm in an emergency situation, so, you know, perfect English is not necessary. There's a lot of hand, lang hand sign language and stuff. And she, she motioned me to strip naked right there in front, on the front porch. So I stripped barefoot. I, 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 barefoot, I stripped everything down naked and gave her everything except my rifle and my compass and map because I had to get back to camp, she motioned in this language, that sign language, that she was going to find. I figured she knew where we were at because you know, this is her place, but I'm, I'm just going off of trust. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay, I trust you. I'm a, and uh, so I stripped down naked in front of her, and I walked back to camp about a mile through the woods naked, barefoot naked. And the, the plan was that she was going to clean it up and give it to me the next morning. Um, or how, how she was motioning it to me uh, because, you know, I, I'm, I didn't want anybody to know about it. And I still need to clean up at camp. I walked back naked, cleaned up a little bit, and I took my, my, my things out of the tent and lived under the, stayed under the stars that night. That, my fairy godmother, the Ajima, the woman of that house, she came in. She came in that morning right when the sun was coming up and gave me all my clean clothes, everything. And um, I, I uh, was able to get away. I got away with two. I got away with two things that night. That went right was uh, well. I didn't drown in shit. And I went. And I got out of it, and, and then I got. I saved my face where no one would find out about it. And uh, those little stories like that. I mean, the, the little fiascos and failures and things like that. They're all through the book. And, and I made it. I, I failed that course. I went on to take it another two times before I got it. It was a competitive type of a course more than just 
land navigation. But you're going to see a whole lot of issues of failure and pain and uh, things of that nature in the book. And that's just one example of falling in, almost drowning, really being neck deep in shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to top that. Yeah. I mean, you got yourself out of it one way or another. But, you know, again, you, you found yourself in a really weird, unopportune situation where you had to get yourself out of it. And you did. It may have seemed like it was insurmountable in the beginning, but you got yourself out and you were able to save yourself some embarrassment. Yes, I was. And so I think, and I was just thinking to myself, you know, all these little things, my ups were always up. I always did, and my downs were always really down. And I was always thinking in life, I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting arrested. I'm falling into shit. I'm almost getting kicked out every once in a while. Or, and I think, wow, you know, I'm getting asked to use, but then I got awards, a lot of awards. I got a lot of recognition. So it was a double-edged type of sword. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, why can't I just be normal? Like every, it seems like everybody else is normal. I don't know why I have to be. <laughs> why do I have why do I, all this stuff have to happen to me? But it was just the way life events were, and um, and I did the best I could under the circumstances. But um, no, I'm I'm very uh, blessed, thankful for the military and all the schools and opportunities they've given me. They've given me a whole lot of training, a whole lot of great fun schools, jumping out of airplanes and helicopters. And, in lots of places around the world you know i lived in five different countries around the world i've i mean lived not visited but lived over there in uh, germany uh, el salvador uh, afghanistan i don't recommend you go to afghanistan uh but uh, there's uh, like korea south korea the philippines um and canada so I, i've been a, you'll see a, a broad depth of the military uh in the book and the various uh situations and things that i was in yeah no yeah it's interesting because you, you seem like at some point you figured out that like, oh, I'm just kind of like a joke or I'm just like, I'm like God's punching bag or even like a punch, <laughs> like a punchline. Like I've got to be the joke, the butt of the joke of, of everything. And then you realize, you know what, like I'm just an awkward person, but it's kind of got me where I got me to. So screw it. Let's just, let's just own this. This is who I am. Yeah, I was awkward. I was very, very quiet. I, I was not talkative like I am now. I have been working. I was a very quiet soldier for the most part because I knew that once I opened my mouth, everybody's going to think I'm a dumbass. <laughs> like, so I, I didn't have the uh, confidence of a lot of great talking co- uh, officers. But since I've done my autobiography and done these podcasts, I am talking a lot more confidently than when I was on duty <laughs> because I had to go through this process of the book. But um. No, 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 really. Uh, and yes, a lot of people would look at me like, oh, that's kind of awkward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and I, I wanted to, I didn't want to have an excuse of having a, a, being a slow learner. I know we talked about the diagnosis, but I was slow. It took me a while to get onto things. But once I got onto it, I was good. But it took me a lot of effort, more effort than most to achieve things. Um, and, um, but I did, I did achieve them through pain or whatever <laughs> method of getting it. And, uh, and actually did pretty well in the military. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. What is, what is like one of the biggest things that you really took or you learned, you learned from being in the military about, you know, about yourself or life? Mm. That um, I think that one of the biggest things is just showing up at the right time, at the right place. With the most important, with the right attitude. And if you're, even if you don't know anything, which in the beginning and, and even and many times I didn't know anything. I don't know. I showed up, have a good attitude, and yes, sir, no, sir, or yes, sergeant, what have you, and uh, do the best that you can. I mean, people are going to take note. You might screw up, but you're, you're the one who showed, you're doing better than half 
put away that. Just doing that. Now, you, you, let's just say you got some smart, you know, guy, you know, social A game type of guy, you know, got everything together. And he, sh- he probably shows up late. Maybe he has a bad attitude. You're, you'll be better than him. I mean, I would rather hire someone with a good attitude that don't know shit, you know, that, or that's going to do the best they can than someone who thinks that they're a hot shot. And so that's, I think that's just showing up the right place at the right time and, you know, right attitude. And that's, that's, that's what I think is a big key in a lot of jobs and just life in general. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <clears throat> you, you said you said something earlier about not having a family. Did you not have like a really good upbringing? Well, I had a I had a great father. Um, we ha- I grew up in Georgia and in South Carolina for the most part. Um, early in life, see, I was different. They knew that, so I was sort of kicked to the side. I wasn't abused or anything, but emotionally, just sort of ditched. In other words, you, you go find your own way <laughs> because you know academics, like you know, education, like with most parents, are very very important. And apparently, it was known that yeah. Oh, Jason here, he's not going to really amount to much. We just hopefully he survives and uh, gets a menial job. And, and so I, in many ways, I was sort of just sort of kicked to the side. And I, I found my own entertainment in the woods and with my own friends. And um, The family really loved, wanted education for all of us. Um, and they were good parents, mother and father. And uh, But I, I, I was sort of kicked to the side. I was not considered in the clique, meaning in the family in, in many ways, just emotionally, just because they knew that this guy's a little different. It's not only the disability part, it was just my behavioral part. I, I was a little different. I was a little slower. And I did and I, I did have a disease, which was osteomyelitis, when I was seven years old, eight years old. And twice it crippled. I, had a, I was kind of like on crutches for a long time because of this bone disease, and I got over that, so. You know, some sports was not going to be in the game, and then of course, um, and uh, academics was not going to be in the game. So they're like, I'm sure my parents are disappointed, but they're not really making any. They're just saying, just do your best, but we don't, <laughs> we don't expect much of you. And not only them, but the, you know, the scores and the, edu- the, the the high school counselor, they they both. There was from a number of areas that says, you know, this guy is really, on, um, you know, maybe. Maybe possible that I could become a tra- you know get a trade or maybe agriculture was a big deal where I was from and so I liked agriculture at the time but no the, the family was pretty much oh, I just kick him to the side and let's hope for the best for the most part my father the book is about my father my father came from a I wasn't poor but my father was poor I'm mean, I'm talking about that white trash stealing you know food out of the garbage can type of poor mm. kind of orphan bastard he was a bastard child and. He he came so he he was he did well he went to college and and he um but he says Jay sometimes get someone Jason you know hey just do your best just do your best and uh, we, we don't think you're going to go to college but if you do that's fine but I don't you know there was not a high, whole lot of high hopes and expectations now what turned me around a whole lot was just going to army basic training I mean not special not you know just regular basic training where i achieved i got uh, as i notch on my belt it gave me a lot of confidence that i could actually do something that it was very very hard it was 1983 and i nearly got kicked out i was 17 years old and um because i couldn't drink the water that was coming out of that damn fire hose so fast and they didn't think i was adapting very well i was doing the best i could um but I did barely pass, and that gave me confidence that I'm thinking at that point, at a newly formed 18-year-old mind, 
I did. I says, you know what? I think I, I just went through basic training. I think I can go to college. I might have to take it a different route, um, but I, I think I can go. And then that's what I did. I went to a junior type of college, took it slow, steady, still was in the Army or still was in the National Guard. And then eventually I went on to active duty Army. I, I became an officer, which is a manager in the office. Uh, I went to Clemson University out of South Carolina. Uh, graduated there. Nothing technical. <laughs> Agriculture education, something that I could understand a little bit more. And I took it slower and um, got my commissioned. And I went on from there and went up the ranks as an officer. And it, I was even, even as a commission, even as an officer, which is a manager of troops, still I made a few mistakes. <laughs> Almost got kicked out a few times. That's in the story as well. So, um, but no, I just, you know, just did the best I could under the circumstances. And now, with the learning disability, I'd always look at things a little differently. I may have, I, I planned out a little bit. In other words, I, I became good at planning ahead, looking down the road. Okay, what's the next school or what's the next event, whatever. And I, I got good on a calendar and I would prepare it for it. I call it the five P's. It's uh, prior planning prevents poor performance. PPP P, 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 or the Pike. They say Pike's doing his five P's. I would plan a little bit for it. I would uh, get ready for it. And um, that was one of my uh, compensation skills that I would get around. If I knew I had, if I thought there might be something challenging, such as a course or something, I would try to prepare ahead or an assignment, or it could be school or what have you. I'd, I'd do the best I could to prepare ahead and uh, plan ahead. And I, I did that pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people didn't even know like your issue, especially in the military. They probably just thought you were just no, a no. weird guy. There's no, uh, yeah, oh yeah, just a weird guy. You know, some yeah, he, this guy's weird. Uh, oh well, maybe he's gonna get kicked out or he's not. So yeah, so yeah, exactly. This is a weirdo or whatever. Some soldiers believed in me. I I did well as a commander when I had troops under me. I did very very well because I had people taking care of me, <laughs> which which I need people to take care of me all the time. It seems like. And, and they did, and I took care of them. And I could do, I, I understood that. You take care of them, they take care of you. Now, when I was usually on my own as a staff officer, having to do reports and things on my own, that was a little bit more difficult. Uh, that was more challenging for me. But, but yeah, um, that's, uh, that's kind of, yeah, exactly. That's kind of how that went. I, a, a lot of these people, I would not. I didn't, I didn't use disability as an excuse for anything. I just, because it's a competitive I mean, I know in the government it's good to say, hey, I've got some intellectual or cognitive problems because it gives you a leg up on possibly getting a job or giving them – you can get special conditions for your job, maybe work from home more, maybe near a window. If you've got post-traumatic stress syndrome and you don't want to be in a cubicle, you can look out the window. There's other special conditions or how, how you're arranged at work. That's good. But in the military, at least at the time, I was in a competitive environment, and I was not going to uh, put that out there. <laughs> I was not even. I, I know. Yeah, you know, the family knew that I had issues, no doubt. But I, um, I, when I wrote the book, I said, "Well, this is the time I'll actually come out with it and, sh and tell people." But that was no. The army didn't know at all. No. Did you have many moments of like engaging in combat? Yeah. So I was in Afghanistan. So I had, I had one year in Afghanistan, and I had two deployments to El Salvador which was considered hazardous duty. And so, well, Afghanistan was my only war zone that I was in, technical war zone. And for the most part in Afghanistan, um, uh, it, was, I, it was basically in, uh, indirect fire from mortars that would come in uh, between, oh, five to 
seven times a week, uh, always between the hours of four and mi- four p.m. and midnight. It seems, um, and th- there were people that got injured. There's people that got killed, but they weren't my troops. And um, I never went. I mean, I, I saw a Humvee get blown up right outside the, you know, right, right out from an IED improvised exploded explosion device where everyone was just blown apart but my thoughts were it was kind of i was in a different zone i put myself in a different zone in afghanistan like a mental zone um my dad had died right before i went to afghanistan and so i was grieving my father in a war zone believe it or not so i had a double-edged sword that was at me when i was in war one was I, I, I was so gr- I thought the grief of my father was worse than actually being in a war and getting shot because I could I was trained to get shot at and I can do that but I wasn't trained to go through the grief process of my father which I was very close to and um, so I was there I did go to his funeral right before I went to Afghanistan but you know grief takes time and so I went to there and I just told my soldiers you know I'm not into it and uh, even though I was a commander and a supervisor I says. My father died, and you guys are going to have to help me out a whole lot. And uh, and they did. And uh, um, so I was not scared. A lot of I was not, which is not. It's always it's good to be scared, especially if somebody's shooting at you. But yeah. I, I had a death wish in Afghanistan. And I was sort of like, yeah, come on, I'm ready to go. You know, go ahead and shoot me or kill me because I go see my dad, and I don't want to. I don't want to be alive anyway. I want to go see him. And so that that's not a right way to be. But I almost got mentally uh, taken out in the beginning because they have to go because my emotions were just so crazy before I went to Afghanistan and it was and a lot of people went, no it wasn't I it was my dad's death and they could have took me out but I said you know I got to do this for my father he wouldn't like to see me you know if he's looking down at me he wouldn't want me to avoid Afghanistan because of his death and so I sucked it up and went over there but no really uh, the IED, they had IEDs outside, improvised explosive devices. There were bombs that were in the road that would blow up, uh, you know, vehicle traffic. And um, um, what else? Other than that, uh, we all made it out alive. Um, uh, and uh, nothing really, um, uh, none of my soldiers got hurt. I never wanted to go see anybody blown up or killed or go to the funerals because that would take me out of my mental state and uh, I wanted to just focus on doing my time and getting on out of there, take care of my troops and just focus on the game at hand, which is doing your time there and then doing your mission, doing your job and then, and then getting out and going home. So, um, Afghanistan really, again, it was mostly my dad's death that was hurting me more than just being in that war. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows what kind of psychological craziness that could do to you. If you see someone all blown to hell, it's, you know, that's why a lot of these guys, they come back because whether they're damaged or they've seen many people just torn apart, whether they're dead or, you know, missing limbs, like it's just, it screws them up. And a lot of them, oh, don't yeah, ever, yeah. A lot of them mm-hmm. don't know how to just like disengage from the war because they're just, they're, they're still in it. Cause that's, yeah, that's I, all I, they know. I, yeah. I, I disengaged. I sort of like, like I said, you know, I've got my time. I kind of had a, I kind of had a zone. I went to a zone of just a can't explain it where I was focused and I, I never had this focus in my life. And then Afghanistan, I said, I've already got all kinds of stuff going on in my head and my, especially my father. And now I'm doing this war. And, uh, and I, I know, by the way, I, I had some issues with some other federal investigation and I had a lot of stress built up from pre from not just the war, it was something else. And so, um, other things like, and, uh, 
I, you know, I just like I was at a point where I'm, I wasn't scared. I was like, when the, you, you, when the bombs come in, there's usually a warning device that comes out. I'm like, you know, it was an English woman. I don't. I mean, we we were we were a joint command. We had a lot of different countries, but a woman would go on the loudspeaker and say, "Rocket attack! Rocket attack!" And uh, you would give like you might have ten seconds to run to a bunker. And I was like, okay, whatever. I would walk out. I'd be the last one in the bunker, which is not good. And they're saying, sir, 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 why don't you, you got to run. You got to get here faster. I said, well, you know, I'm okay. But they, don't, they didn't know. I was like, come on, just go ahead. I was like, I had a death wish. I said, yeah, kill me, man. I'll go see my father. I was like, so I had my issues already over there. And I wasn't really scared, which is not a good thing to be. But, um, but um, eventually I started getting faster over there to the bunker and because they were so worried about me. I said, sir, we, we, can't, we can't get the commander killed. <laughs> you need to get out of here faster. I said, okay, I will, I will. But then, you know, once the bombs are, once it's safe to go back into your tent or wherever and work, then they'll, the, the woman will come on and say, all clear, all clear, and then we go back. And that would happen, oh, regularly throughout the week. Um, so that was something we got used to. Yeah, yeah for sure. As best as, as, as best as we could, as best as we could. Yeah. Um, beyond just the book, what are you up to these days? Now that you're well, retired. I'm working so I pretty much my days are spent. I get up, I drink some coffee, I I feed my dogs, I go out and exercise. Um, I just I did I did some running today, and then I will uh, I will work. I've got some other projects coming up. Uh, I've got a book that's coming out on out of the uniform and back into civilian life, and it's really a self help guide for veterans specifically on how to get your veterans benefits uh, a lot of them come out and they don't know how to get through the process of the veterans administration which is a nightmare in many ways um and so i just give them a self-help step-by-step guide of how to do it how to look at it more of a reference type of uh, material um i've got that coming up i've got some ideas since i spent six years in korea i was going to just talk about the korean situation and I may have a book on korea later on and then I think a lot of your viewers, if you've ever worked in jobs, you may have seen toxic leadership. Um, toxic leadership is more than just an asshole. I'm thinking about doing a book on that, just on the toxic leadership. Uh, it, it's in military, but it's um, but it's also in corporate life and other. And this is more of a leader who is destroys the organization or other people by their behavior. It's more than just an asshole. It's more yeah. than just a mean person. This is a, so we actually got a regulation. It's abusive behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so um, I think that a lot of people might want to, you know, understand that and have to avoid it and what to do if you're in those situations, which are, which I was in. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at. And uh that's I travel. I, I go back to South Carolina every once in a while and uh, see my friends, high school friends, and other f- folks that I know there. And uh, that's kind of how I spend my day a bit. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, no, I think that book's a good idea. You can a lot of people can relate to that, and you know, you've accomplished a lot. You're still here. Um, now you got to find yourself a wife. <laughs> well, I do. I got Be- I got Beverly. I got her. Uh, I got a daughter that is. Um, she just graduated from Texas A&M University, and now she's works from home or wherever she wants to work. She's got one of those jobs where it's a telecommute job, and um, 
So right now she's in the Columbia, South America, uh, working just because that's where she, because it's so cheap down there. And I'm I'm thinking about going down there and visiting her in two weeks. And so awesome. while well, I do, I have a plane plane down there. I'm gonna go down and visit her. I got two dogs, a wife, and uh, got uh, yeah. That's kind of that's kind of what my uh, life's about. And uh, but yeah, that's yeah, good for you. No, that's. Uh, yeah. Um, you want before we get out of you want to promote your book and your website and all that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, my book, audio book, audio book. I am the narrator. I am the author. Makes it different. Makes it different. Jasonpike dot org. So a soldier against all odds. You, you, it's there on Amazon. It's on Audible. It's on Amazon uh, Audio. Uh, Jasonpike dot org is a website where you'll find all my social media handles, um, LinkedIn, all that stuff, Facebook. Um, and then uh, a soldier against all odds on, and that'll connect you to Amazon, or you can just go to Amazon and type in a soldier against all odds. And website's jasonpike.org. I've got, oh, and even if you don't know if you want to listen to it, you could listen to another podcast, uh, not only yours, but you just type in Jason Pike Army, you're going to see many, many types of podcasts or listen to them. They're all they're out there on the internet. I've awesome. done over 40 interviews. One of my one of my goals I haven't I told you about another goal up. I want to get I want to do stand up uh, motivational speaking. I just haven't got into the so that's one of those things I'm trying to see what I can do to try to get in the door on that. But um I've got my books put now but yeah that's that is what I've been doing. jasonpike.org. Yep. Well yeah, you're an inspirational dude man. You you'll get it done. Just keep at it and uh I I appreciate you for coming on, buddy. You're a cool guy, and I hope you keep in touch. Yeah, yeah, please do. And, um, yeah, and uh, I'm honored to be on your show. And, uh, yeah, let's – we'll just keep this thing going and put this out on the media. I'm on all the the handles there. All right, brother. Thank you again. Take take care now. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Sorry, I'm a little down on this one just because well, my allergies and my eyes are bothering me and whatever else. But um, Bullet is here with me and just trying to wake up Sunday, so it's football day. So I got that, but um, yeah, I'm just going to try to relax today and, you know, hopefully uh, get myself out of this. Bullet, you want to say hi, buddy? Bulletto? Hmm? Sweet boys? People want to hear you. Look. Bullet. Look. The microphone. You're looking? Oh, you're being lazy. He's got his back to us. God dang it, Bullet. You're leaving the people down. I'm going to start taking out of your pay. Okay? Tomorrow, one less snack. Yep. That's what we're doing. Um, But yeah. So, I guess I'm sorry for my uh, low energy here. Brain fog is also kicking my ass, but... Um, just low energy and just, you know, not feeling it. Yeah, but I enjoyed him. He seems like a really cool guy and I like his story. I didn't know much about it. I was going to ask him more about what his story is, but I'm just like, screw it. I would just wing it. It seemed to be fine. It's just, um, I wish I was a little more, uh, I don't know, mentally mobile. I wish I was more engaged in this episode, but it's all good. Um, he kind of carried it and I allowed him to cause he, he's a good talker. So, um, yeah, like I said, I liked him, so I'll reach out to him and keep in touch with that fella. But, uh, yeah, guys, I'm going to go just lay down and try to get myself out of this little funk I'm in. 
But yeah, I'll see you guys um, next week, okay? Alrighty, from Bulletin Eye, we shall see you next week. Bye bye. See you guys.